whistleblower report exposing lies deceptions and all that has assaulted our way of life we must take back our freedom and live as god designed in a free america that honors our constitution and our creator our experts in medicine, ministry, law, military, environment, and education empower us to grow together as a nation. For such a time as this, the Whistleblower Report offers truth and solutions. Good morning, everybody. This is Major Mike Gary, your resident Seaburn expert. Seaburn standing for Chem-Bio-Rad Nuclear um, Weapons Expert, trained in the hazmat response field of weapons of mass destruction. Most of you know me by now. You know my faith reports, my environmental reports, and also being tied to other military whistleblower reports. So today's whistleblower report is going to be another faith report. It's an extension of the one I did earlier um, about the patience of Job, what it means to be totally humbled. And this is going to be a part two to that. So this will be a whistleblower report, faith segment. And uh, so we're going to go into a little more depth, but tie in some New Testament uh, lessons with, you know, the same Old Testament lesson that Job had learned. Because some people, I mean, what Job went through is something that is repeated again and again through the Bible in different ways. Before we get too far along, I would like to open uh, with a prayer. I would like to say, dear Lord, we thank you so much for the overturning of Roe versus Wade uh, through the Dobbs case. We just thank you so much for doing that. For we've been Many of us have been praying for it for so long, for the overturning and for the movement of life, that life is so important, that you are our creator and you breathe life into us. And we just pray for every un- uh, every child that's in the womb, we just pray for them that they may have the same opportunities and chances that we did. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, I just wanted to do that because it's been a year since that was overturned, and I've hardly heard anybody thank the Lord for that. So I just wanted to put that out there, and uh, maybe it's a reminder to others that, hey, that was a major thing. Even though the world seems chaotic, it's scary uh, that the Lord is still at work. That was a mighty thing that happened. And uh, we should be praising the Lord for that amongst all these turbulent waters. So I just wanted to put that out there for everybody. Open the, the program up with that. And then uh, looking, looking into uh, the life of, you know, thanking God for life and, and being the creator and this whole uh, tribulation and trial that Job went through. I just wanted to kind of tie these things together. But 
first, um, I'm going to open with kind of a brief story about some good friends of ours that we sat down, my wife and I sat down with this other couple, and we were talking about things going on in, uh, you know, the nation, the world, but also personally in our lives, how, you know, my wife and I seem to be so dramatically affected by the political landscape at the moment. And um, we were talking about the, I think I had let you know that last, uh, last show I did that I had come out, broke out with Lyme disease, bullseyes all over my body. That seemed to be the kind of the height of the realization that I was living sort of like the book of Job. I was going through a similar trial like Job did. And our good friends that we were talking with, it actually kind of turned into almost like a fellowship, but almost like a Bible study, because we started talking about some very specific lessons or stories in the Bible. And one of them that we were talking about was Peter, and specifically around uh, the night of the Last Supper. And the interesting thing is, is in the companion book that I'm using uh, to do this lesson, uh, the book of Job by E.W. Bollinger, he also mentions uh, the test that Peter went through. And when we talk about the test, it's actually Satan had attempted to sift Peter right around uh, the night of the Last Supper. So it's interesting how these two stories kind of, or this story came to me from a couple different directions at the same time. So I'd like to share, uh, open up with these verses and uh, I'm going to read them. I'm going to read the Luke and the Matthew uh, because it's, it's in, in there two places. It may even be in Mark, but I didn't even look, but I'm going to open with that and then we'll talk about it once I get through it. So this is Luke 22 uh, verse 31 through 35. And the title on it is um, Jesus protects Peter's denial. And the Lord said, Simon, Simon, indeed, Satan has asked for you that he may sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for you that your faith should not fail. And when you have returned to me, strengthen your brethren. But he said to him, Lord, I am ready to go with you both to prison and to death. Then he said, I tell you, Peter, the rooster shall not crow this day before you will deny uh, three times that you know me. Second flip in the page here. And 35 says, and he said to them, when I sent you without money, bag, knapsack, and sandals, did you lack anything? And, and then moving on into Matthew 26, verse 31 through 35. Here's the uh, companion uh, counter in uh, Matthew. Then uh, Jesus said to them, all of you will be made to stumble because of me this night, for it is written. And again, this night is the night of the Last Supper. Okay, so all the disciples there. I will strike the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. But after I have been raised, I will go before you to Galilee. Peter answered and said to him, even if all are made to stumble because of you, I will never be made to stumble. Jesus said to him, assuredly, I say to you that this night before the rooster crows, 
you will deny me three times. Peter said to him, even if I have to die with you, I will not deny you. And so said all the disciples. So uh, Peter stands out amongst all the disciples because, you know, Peter being him, he speaks out and uh, for good or bad at times for both, you know. But so so all disciples will deny Christ, but Peter being made the example because Satan went to sift him. Very much like uh, if we recap on part one, uh, you know, uh, Satan asked God if he could sift Job. Okay, so this is the similarity I'm trying to uh, draw here is that Satan asked if he could sift these people, Job and Peter, right? And then the Lord permits it. He removes his protective hedge. But even in that, let's go to Peter now. He he says, but I've prayed for your faith that, you know, that you will be make it through this. Okay. And likewise, so why would the Lord, the, the thing is, is why would the Lord allow this? Why would he allow this trial? And, you know, I have to uh, say to you is last time when I did part one on this, I opened with Proverbs 1 verse 7, and it said, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. And when the when you say that, the fear, what is the fear of the Lord? It's the respect, reverence, and the righteousness, the understanding or accepting of the righteousness, righteousness of God. So God is greater than man. This is the ultimate lesson that the book of Job is walking us through, just like Peter went through. God is greater than man. Okay. So in the discussion with our good friends that we were fellowship and that turned into kind of a Bible study about, about these very verses in Matthew and Luke, um, our good friend uh, said to us, she said, Mike, where did you meet the Lord? Right. So what did Peter do after he failed here? Okay. So Peter was sifted. He failed. He denied the Lord three times. And then he has to run from himself. Right. He's trying to run from the denial that he just committed. He's been with this man for several years, Jesus, right? The, the Lord. He's been with the Lord incarnate and he failed. He denied him. I mean, there's no, there's no closer. You can't be any closer than the disciples were. They were right. Uh, with him for years and he failed he denied him so he's trying to run 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 from himself but he can't get away from himself in peter is starting to hit rock bottom now last in part one when i went down th through and we were talking about concepts we we're talking about having a broken spirit and this is something that uh the lord was working with Job. He was working to, for Job to have a contrite spirit. And uh, that means to be totally broken, uh, you know, totally crushed, crippled, broken spirit under the weight of your own guilt. So this is like a realization thing for us that we realize how vile we are. We abhor ourselves like at the end of Job, that would go over in the second half. 
So this is where Peter had to get. But Peter also had to do something in running from himself. He went back to where he met the Lord. And this is what our good friend was telling us. She was like, Mike, where did you meet the Lord? Where is you, where is that spot for you? And uh, I had to think about this. I had to consider it and find that peaceful place where I met the Lord. And for Peter, uh, it's fishing. That's where the Lord met him and the sons of Zebedee, right? John and James. Uh, he met them fishing. And that's what we see again towards the end of uh, the book of John. We see uh, Jesus meet, meeting those uh, disciples there fishing and pulling them back in. Even though they may have temporarily failed, their faith hadn't totally failed, right? So Christ had prayed for Peter's uh, faith to be set. I'm trying to I'm looking here real quick because going back to Luke uh, 22 verse 32, but I, Jesus says to uh, Peter, Simon Peter, he says, but I have prayed for you that your faith should not fail. And when you have returned to me, strengthened your brethren. So this was a natural thing Peter had to go through. He had to get totally sick of himself, rid himself of himself, <laughs> right? He had to realize who he was. He was man. He's lesser than God. And God is totally righteous. And at that spot, that's where God meets you. And then there's a strengthening of who you actually are in Christ or in God for the Old Testament for Job, right? And so anyway, uh, that was an incredibly helpful uh, Bible study, I would say, that we had with our good friends for me. And then, so I just wanted to kind of share that with you. These trials that we go through in our life are necessary things to build up our belief, to strengthen our belief. Quite often, God needs to break us down so we get rid of all these worldly thoughts and things in our own opinions on things. Now, another thing that has come to me is Elijah. And, uh, I, you know, Elijah keeps coming back to me. He's mentioned, uh, you know, I've, I've read the passages in the Bible, but it seems like just the repetitive nature of Elijah coming up in my life, you know, Elijah the prophet. And uh, specifically, like when uh, in First Kings uh, chapter 17, Elijah it's called Elijah proclaims a drought is the title above the uh, the chapter. Well, Elijah goes to King Ahab and he says, as the Lord God of Israel lives before whom I stand, there shall not be dew nor rain these years except at my word. And he says this to King Ahab because God had given them this prophetic word that there was a drought coming. And then Elijah um it says in verse two, then the word of the Lord came to him saying, get away from here and turn eastward and hide by the brook uh, Shireth, which flows into the Jordan. And it will be that you shall drink from the brook. And I have commanded the ravens to feed you there. So he went and did according to the word of the Lord. 
Okay. And then, so this seems to be for quite a, uh, quite a while of time, years, it says. Uh, so what does that mean? Does it mean a couple of years, three years? I don't, I'm not exactly sure. I'm sure I can find an answer in the Bible if I really want to define that time, but I'm just going to work with years for the moment. And you got to think, this is a test and a trial for Elijah <clears throat> to do what the Lord said, to be fed by these ravens, so provision, divine provisions given. And he drinks from the stream and he eats the same, what appears to be the same thing for years. This is, this is a test in itself. And you know how we as humans get sick of things. You know, we, uh, we don't like to eat the same thing from time to time. And uh, we move on to the next thing, to the next thing, to the next thing. That's like our, our fallen nature is to, is to want, always want something better, want something better. And it may not be better. So I can't imagine for Elijah to do this. He must've had faced his own trials doing this. This, this may, must've been a testing of, of who he was and, and break him down to get him ready for what would be the face off of uh, the prophets of Baal uh, eventually to come, you know, and then, Eventually, the brook dries up, which this must have been a scary thing for Elijah. You know, think about that. He has to, you know, he's going to wonder if God's going to provide the next thing, right? And then he goes, uh, God instructs him to move over to the widow, find this widow with a son, right? And then he lives with her. And this is where provision was given through the grain through the in the jar that never ran out right? Divine provision once again for all three of them. And then eventually this young son dies. And I want to share, uh, this is verse, uh, chapter 17, first Kings and verse 19. So the son has died and, uh, Elijah says, uh, he says, give me your son. So he took him out of the, of her arms, carried him up to the upper room where he was staying and he laid him on his bed. Then he cried out to the Lord and said, Oh Lord, my God, have you also brought tragedy on the widow with whom I lodge by killing her son? All right. I highlight that because that's how we feel when we go through a trial. We say, Lord, why have you done this? You know, and I felt that personally in my life, I have said these things. I have questioned God like Job had questioned God, you know, as Job gets into it, and we don't know the time that Job was in his trial, whether it was days, months, or years, and we all begin to question, why did God allow this? Okay, so Elijah says, by killing her son, and he stretched himself out on the child three times and cried out to the Lord, said, oh Lord, my God, I pray, let this child's soul come back to him. Then the Lord, Lord heard the voice of Elijah, and the soul of the child came back to him, and he revived. Okay? So, by the way Elijah had said that, have, he said, uh, by killing her son, it's accusatory, he accused the Lord. I can only imagine that Elijah's been through this trial 
of having bare bones, just provision, needs met, not wants. And, you know, he, uh, you know, here he is laid bare and this, this death happens during this. And it must just seem like it's one bad thing after another, right? Because there's never any hopeful thing happening in his life, but this is the test. You know, this is where God brings us. If we're to believe and accept him as our Lord and Savior, he brings us to rock bottom. So anyway, I just wanted to offer up um, Peter and Elijah. These are tests and trials that, you know, are repeated throughout the Bible. These are just two good ones because we know Elijah, at least his trial was for years uh, to, to just accept bare bones needs. And then for Peter, he actually denied Christ, you know, and then how did, how did they come back to the Lord? Where was the place that they met the Lord to, to, to get back to their strong faith and belief, right? Because your faith wanes through these trials. It goes up and down. It has high points and low points. And then for Job, very directly at the end, this is when uh, he gets to be before the Lord after Elihu, you know, the one who strengthens him because he lays out, Elihu lays out what's right. He's a, he's a human, fellow human, a man, less than God, and he lays out what's righteous. And then, and then Job goes before the Lord. Okay. So likewise, our friends that we'd sat down with, did the same thing. They laid out righteousness through biblical passages for us. And, and what was more important is that they, they um, listened and understood our situation and actually put the time and effort or care in it to apply it to biblical principles. So anyway, I just want to offer that up. We're going to go to a break, but before we go to a break, I didn't really speak about the Truth for Health Foundation in the opening, but go to the truth, F-O-R, health.org, uh, and go uh, check out all the resources that we have there. Whistleblower reports. I've been selling the fact that we are recording history in, at the moment. Right now, we are recording historical situations through our whistleblower reports in a number of uh, interviews that we've had with uh, people that are experiencing great trials and tribulations at this moment. So go there, check out our whistleblower reports. Also all our resource guides, you know, COVID treatment guides, COVID vaccine injury treatment guides. Uh, and there's just so many other resources that you can check into. Also, we run uh, the faith over fear seminars to talk about, uh, you know, current events that may be affecting your lives and and we get resident experts on situations on how to deal them deal with them so anyway i would offer up go to truthforhealth.org check out what we got uh, and hopefully you can find something uh, or someplace to connect, but information, knowledge that can help you with these turbulent times. All right, we'll be back after the break. 
Hello, everyone. This is Lieutenant Mark Bashaw, U.S. Army and legal grant recipient of the Truth for Health Foundation. I want to give a huge shout out to the Truth for Health Foundation for helping me and my family over the past year with our legal battles. Recently, I was court-martialed for not participating with these experimental COVID-19 emergency use authorized products. If it wasn't for Truth for Health Foundation and all the support, I would definitely be in a worse spot. But because of all the support, I'm able to continue uniform service, fighting for what's right, to protect the Constitution against enemies, foreign and domestic. God bless each and every one of you, and God bless America. Welcome back, everybody, to the second half of the Whistleblower Report Faith Segment, and I'm Major Mike Gary, expressing to you uh, my deepest grat- gratification, or, you know, my deepest uh, thanks for you guys going to our website. Welcome back, everybody. This is Major Mike Gary uh, to the second half of our program. This is a Whistleblower Report Faith Segment, and this is about the patience of Job, and what it means to be totally humbled. We could also call this perseverance of Job. So with that, um, I'd like to uh, direct everybody to our uh, Truth for Health Foundation website. Uh, Go to um, www.truthforhealth.org. Check out everything that we got there from our resource guides, to our whistleblower reports, and so much more. Also, we have uh, de-linked or broken away from America Out Loud, so you should start seeing us across the many uh, social media platforms and uh, as we get our words out there and our stories out there. And like I try to push everybody to, I like to say that the Truth for Health Foundation is actually documenting real-time history. You know, these are real stories, these whistleblower reports from real people being affected by real things at this current moment, which as I think we, any listener that's listening to these programs can probably agree that these are times like no other that we've experienced. And that's why I think this Job message is probably very timely. It's timely for me to actually go back into the book of Job and see another person suffering, you know, and I'm sure that for many out there, you're all wondering, where's my, where's my next paycheck going to come from? Where is my retirement going to be? Where is uh, all this debt that I have? How is it going to be taken care of? Are the banks going to be around? Will the stock market uh, manage to hold out? Uh, are the, Will we end up like Maui, East Palestine, Ohio? You know, there's all these things out there, uh, all these climate crises going on, which I believe is mostly man-made. We'll talk about more about that in future programs or segments. But anyway, I think there's a lot of things to concern ourselves with. But I think when we get sick of it all, we kind of find the end of ourselves, we go back, or the place we should go back to is the Bible for a deeper explanation and understanding. 
of what God would have us do in this moment. So last program, I had talked a lot about to have a contrite spirit. Job was being broken down to have this contrite spirit, to be totally humbled before the Lord. And in James chapter 5, verse 11, it says, Indeed, we count them blessed who endure. You have heard of the perseverance of Job and seen the end intended by the Lord, that the Lord is very compassion, compassionate and merciful. Okay, so that's James 5, verse 11, perseverance of Job and seeing the intended end by the Lord. Okay, which is what E.W. Bullinger calls the end of the Lord. And that's why I've been using that phrase. We talked about last time, the end of the Lord is to actually be totally sick of ourselves, a contrite spirit to be totally broken down and to accept that God is greater than man. Okay, that's the whole intention of this, the book of Job and many other stories in the Bible as man and sin wears him out. You know, eventually man's sin, you know, will take his life early. Or man finally decides that he's done with sinning and does the best he can to turn away from it and accepts the Lord for who he is, the great creator. So anyway, uh, moving on from the James passage, that is how we get the patience of Job or the perseverance of Job, right? And which is the title of this. But we were talking about the friends. Even though we may find that the friends uh, in uh, the book of Job, Eliphaz, Bildad, and Zophar, they may actually be given some good worldly guidance or good friend, you know, friendly guidance, uh, you know, because in some of the places I found myself agreeing with some of the things they were saying, but we have to understand we're man. And, and we don't fully know or comprehend everything. And maybe their intentions were good to communicate uh, and help Job. But ultimately, they are all accusing Job of doing something that angers God or something that is evil or wrong. And this is why God is punishing Job. And last time we... I. De develop that quite a bit trying to show that no that was not the case it's that the lord is the ultimate instructor of uh, a contrite spirit or bringing man to a, a contrite spirit a totally humbled place lowly of spirit and you'll see these phrases that i'm using uh quite often throughout the bible especially when jesus talks on the sermon on the mount those who are low of spirit Okay, you can go there and look at that and see that that's where Christ was going to meet people. And you see it again and again as Jesus walks the earth. He's he's meeting with people that are low of spirit. They're down at rock bottom. They're totally sick of their, themselves and their, their sinful ways. And this is where God meets them and brings them up. And we talked about last time Eliphaz reasons on human experience you know, to say that Job was wrong. Bildad reasons on human tradition and Zophar reasons on human merit. Excuse me. And then Job 
you know, we find Job saying things like this, Job uh, chapter 10. My soul loathes my life. I will give free course to my complaint. I will speak in the bitterness of my soul. I will say to God, do not condemn me. Show me why you contend with me. Does it seem good to you that you should oppress, that you should despise the work of your hands and smile on the counsel of the wicked? Do you have eyes of flesh or do you see a man as a man sees? Are you your days like the days of a mortal man? Are your years like the days of a mighty man that you should seek for my iniquity? And search out my sin, although you know that I am not wicked, and there is no one who can deliver from your hand. Okay, and this that was through verse uh, 1 through 7. And uh, so anyway, we can kind of get a feeling of how Job feels as he's going through this trial. And in a lot of ways, I sympathize because I, I, I felt these things. I think that's what I expressed last uh, program that I felt a lot of what Job has felt. And, uh, you know, as he goes through these trials and it's just so painful to see all the things that have happened to Job, but Job was a strong man and God could see that at the beginning. That's why God said, uh, you know, to Satan, have you seen my servant Job, that there is none like him on earth, a blameless and upright man, one who fears God and shuns evil. But God had just that little more selfish justification to bring out of Job. And that's what this whole trial was about, you know. And uh, so I would like to... But talk about Elihu, this this character, which I kind of de developed this a little bit last time. But Elihu is the fourth friend or this other character that shows up. And he's the one that brings the defense of God. He is actually the true good friend because he brings the biblical knowledge. Kind of like in the first half of the show, I was talking about our good friends that actually brought us biblical counsel and that's what elihu does here and uh he chastises job he's he's against job was his wrath kindled because he justified himself uh rather than god okay just reminding here that's why elihu uh, chastised job he, he was reminding him again people can be mad if you're corrected or you can take the correction as a good thing because they told you the truth the truth and they allowed a way for you to correct yourself so that's how uh i appreciate those things when people point out something and i look into it and that's i think that's the right spirit and then elihu also against his three friends was his wrath kindled because they had found no answer for job so they didn't provide a way for job to get out of his wrong thought process Right. Where he's contending with God, trying to justify he's constantly justifying himself and the argument back and forth between the friends. And uh, so Elihu points this out. He acts as God's ambassador in this moment. And then Job would be allowed to go before God. Now, E.W. Bullinger says this in his uh, his study companion book, uh, the book of Job. 
and again, I rely on him because he lived in the 1800s. He had a clear mind. He wasn't distracted. And he says this, the next great portion of this book is taken up with the ministry of Jehovah himself to Job. This is the most important of all. And it is the most beautiful. It is the most important because we have Jehovah acting as his own minister. He himself becomes the preacher. Surely it is a matter of interest, interest to ask and wonder, what is the theme of which he will speak? What is the text which he will expound? For in this we shall discover what is to be and ought to be the great subject of all preaching and ministry today. Whatever it was, it produced the desired effect and brought about at once the end which the Lord had in view from the beginning. It ended in bringing Job to occupy the only place where God uh, brings near his righteousness. What then was the text and what the theme that produced this wondrous result? Elihu's ministry was designed to furnish both. It was thus absolutely necessary in order that it might prepare the way by announcing the subject which Jehovah was so powerfully and abundantly about to enlarge and expound and apply. You know, this is kind of like John the Baptist before Jesus came. He prepared the way for the Lord. So I just want to compare those two things. Now it says, and apply, God is greater than man. This was the theme that led up to the only answer that could be given to the great question of the book. How should mortal man be just with God? This is the lesson. Elihu's declaration furnishes the key to and answers Job's question. May Jehovah use it for the eternal blessing, not only of Job, but of all who devoutly study this book. Let us not, and mark it well, Jehovah's address is entirely about himself. No other subject is allowed to share or distract our attention. That is, that brings about the end of the Lord. This is uh, that accomplishes the mighty work. Oh, what an important lesson for all who would minister or speak for God. He himself is to be the one great theme of all our testimony. Nothing lower, nothing less, nothing different. And what a blow to the new idea of evolution, whether scientific or Christian. Here we have Jehovah in every line for four long chapters speaking of his own works as being each his own specific creation, and the result of his creative acts. Just as in Genesis 1, we have the great creator speaking, moving, creating, making, and blessing 35 times in that one chapter. So here in every line, Jehovah speaks of himself as the, uh, as the creator of everything in all its wondrous details as to object and, uh, excuse me, details as to object and purpose and effect, so that it is impossible to receive the testimony of the word of God and the conjectures of evolution. There is not room for both. One must go. Uh, and then it says, Bollinger says, he is the almighty creator, and our testimony is to be of him, and of his word, and of his grace, and of his power, and of all of his wondrous attributes. So I thought that was um, awesome. Just moving on to another thing I should share from Bollinger's book. It uh, 
he says that they only lift man into a temporary sense. So we're talking about the friends, the natural pride of the heart and the sinful nature of man. They only lift man into a temporary sense of being more or less right, while the object of the gospel is to convict him of being altogether wrong. Okay, a contrite spirit, think of that. For this is the one necessary necessary condition before man can know god's righteousness man must be humble before he can be exalted man must be humble before he can be exalted and that's what we see at the end of job so um looking at job chapter 42 the final chapter actually what i want to do really quick I don't have a heck of a lot more time to develop this, but I want to, um, for the audience out there, before I go to chapter 42, there is a, a prophet out there. And again, I understand some people don't believe that there's still prophets, but I do. Uh, you can find it in Ephesians 4. I think there's ministry gifts and to have a prophetic gift is still on the table. That's what I believe. Okay. In this uh, prophet out there called Kim Clement, uh, his website is the House of Destiny. Kim Clement is, passed away in late 2015 or 16. His daughter runs the website House of Destiny. And he made a lot of bold prophecies. And he's one of at least one of three that I know prophets that you know prophesied Trump would be the president and for multiple terms. And um, he gave this prophecy he, February 22nd of 2014. Um, and he was due to meet President Trump as he was candidate Trump, but he that's when he passed away in that time, right at the end of 2015, 2016, somewhere there. He was due to meet him, but he, he passed away suddenly. Um, you know, it's like the Lord took him because he wasn't meant to see these things because he prophesied these things. So he, Kim Clement had prophesied on that date I gave you. Um, it's a pretty well-known prophecy to some. It's been out there again and again because some of these things have actually transpired at this point. So when we look at Job, I would like to look at the nation. Think of Job as the nation or yourself if you're in a Job moment or a trial moment. But think of America. And then... Um, this is what Kim Clement says. He says, he showed me, he took me itching, excuse me. And then there was a nation, he says, excuse me. He showed me, he took me itching for a new kind of war with America. They will shout impeach, impeach, which actually has happened. Trump was impeached, attempted to impeach, impeach twice. And they will say, but nay. So no, it won't happen. This nation shall come very suddenly um, but he shall not come in the time of President Obama. Remember, Obama's president at that date I gave you. They shall come when this new one arises, my David, uh, that I have set aside for this nation, a man of prayer, a man, man of choice words, not a man who is verbose, who has verbosity, or who speaks too much. They will say, uh, this man is not speaking enough, but God says, I have set aside, they, they will shout, impeach, impeach, but this shall not happen. And then God says, highly embarrassing moments when another Snowden arises 
and people will become very afraid. They'll say, we have no protection. And then God says, am I impressed with your weapons of war? Am I impressed with your strength of your men's legs? Ha! I have said, I will bring this nation to its knees. And God said, you have been humbled and yet some more. That's the key thing I wanted to point out. God said, you have been humbled and yet some more. And then you shall hear the sounds of great victory. For where are the people gathered? Where are my people gathered? Where is the sound of unity for my people? Okay, I'm going to end it there. But the, the point is, there was a whole bunch of things he mentioned. Some of them are transpired in this. I will humble you and yet some more. And then you will hear the sounds of victory. Just like you'll be humble and then be exalted. So this is consistent with the biblical record that we see on these characters. And I just want to, if anybody's interested, I'll provide the link for that. So you can go check that out. If you're not aware of it, I so many people are aware of the, his prophecies. And um, I think they're hopeful things. And I do believe God would send messengers with prophetic words and visions to share. I do believe that's what God does. You know, he did it all through the Bible. We've seen that. So at the end here, I want to talk about chapter 42 of Job. I want to wrap this whole thing up in chapter 42. And I'm going to read it. And I think it pretty much speaks for itself as we talked about this complete humbling, this contrition, a contrite spirit the patience and perseverance of Job to make it through this trial and to be uh, totally humbled so that he can be exalted. Now, here it begins, chapter 42. Then Job answered the Lord and said, I know that you can do everything and that no purpose of yours can be withheld from you. You asked, who is this who hides counsel without knowledge? Therefore, I have uttered what I did not understand. Things too wonderful for me, which I did not know. Listen, please, and let me speak. You said, I will question you and you shall answer me. I have heard of you by the hearing of my ear, but now my eye sees you. Therefore, I abhor myself and I repent in dust and ashes. And there it is right there. The total admission that God is greater than man. And uh, it's God's righteousness and justice. Verse 7 picks up. And, and so it was, after the Lord had spoken these words to Job, that the Lord said to Eliphaz the Tamanite, My wrath is aroused against you and your two friends. For you have not spoken of me what is right, as my servant Job has. Now therefore take for yourselves seven bulls and seven rams. Go to my servant Job and offer up for yourselves a burnt offering and my servant Job shall pray for you, for I will accept him, lest I deal with you according to your folly, because you have not spoken to me what is right. As my servant Job has, so Eliphaz, uh, the Tamanite, and Bildad, uh, the Shuite, and Zophar, the Namathite, went and did as the Lord commanded them, for the Lord had accepted Job. And the Lord restored Job's losses when he, uh, he prayed for his friends. 
Indeed, the Lord gave Job twice as much as he had before than all his brothers and all his sisters and all those who had been his acquaintance before came to him and ate food with him in his house. And they counsel, uh, consoled him and comforted him for all the adversity that the Lord had brought upon him. Each one gave him a piece of silver and each a ring of gold. Now, the Lord blessed the later days of Job more than his beginning. For he had uh, 14,000 sheep, 6,000 camels, 1,000 yoke of oxen, and 1,000 female donkeys. He also had seven sons and three daughters. And he called the name of the first uh, Jiminah, the name of the second Kizah, and the name of the third Karen Hapak. And all the land were found no women so beautiful as the daughters of Job. And their father gave them an inheritance among the brothers. After this, Job lived 140 years and saw his children and grandchildren for four generations. So Job died old and full of days. And that's pretty awesome. And the big thing here is um, Job was moved to a place where he actually, you know, did as the Lord instructed, you know, or the Lord said, Pray for his friends, the ones that were still lost, that gave bad counsel, right? So Job did that for, um, you know, uh, Eliphaz, uh, Bildad, and, uh, oh, I forget the other one, lost it here. But anyway, prayed for his friends, and, and he had been totally changed in character. And then he was exalted, brought above it all. Okay, so this is the ultimate lesson, the end of the Lord, is to become, is to br bring man to the end of himself and accept God as the creator. And not everybody gets to learn this lesson, but this is what uh, Jesus uh, offers, and this is the salvation that God offers to us. So I'm going to end this segment for the Truth for Health Foundation, uh, this is the Truth, F-O-R Health Foundation.org. And you can go there and get all the helpful information for this, um, you know, this tribulation or these trials that we're going through. And I'm just going to close us in a quick word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, I just pray that this lesson falls upon uh, anybody that's listening as, as wisdom, true wisdom in the fallen nature of man and lord i just pray for contrite spirits across this nation totally humble people that come together and speak your righteousness as elihu did in the book of job and we just pray for people to actually become job exalted above all these trials and that they receive them as is a necessary thing to be totally broken so that they can have the understanding to deal with, to help others, be the Elihu to others. In Jesus' name, amen.